0: You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin.
1: Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you. Hello, if you're watching the live stream a big hello to you as well. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Taryn. I'm one of uh, the pastors here. I'm married to Chuck, who you may have met as well. Um, I'm conscious we've got a lot of visitors in the room. And just to say, we absolutely love visitors. So whether you're physically in the room or you're watching online, this is your first time. A massive, massive welcome to you today. Um, So we are nearly at the end of our series called Future Focus that is in 1 Thessalonians. And we have been just systematically opening up God's word every week and going through this book. And I am on the second to last part of the series. And then Chuck is gonna finish off for us. So um, anyone here loves writing lists? Anyone a list writer? Yes, there's a lot of us in the room. Probably online as well, there's some of us. Who likes writing instructions? Anyone like writing some? There's a few of us, but not as many. Well, as our kids have got older... Um, we've been able to leave them overnight and do different things and Chuck is quite happy just to leave the house whereas I feel like I need to leave a whole bunch of instructions. So there's instructions on the dog, there's instructions on uh, what to cook and where to find the ingredients to cook and then how to cook. There's instructions about remembering to put the bins out and remembering to lock the door. There's instructions everywhere and um, Um, Because I'm not convinced that my kids read all the instructions, I leave the most important instructions at the very end. And I think this is what Paul is doing in his letter to the church. I think he's leaving the final instructions to the very end because they're so important. And actually, if you have an NIV Bible, what you'll see is it actually says final instructions in the Bible. In that Bible. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to open up God's word. So, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 19. Why don't we pray and then we'll read together? Holy Spirit, we make room for you this morning. We make room for you to move and to speak and to have your way. Please lead us and guide us. Please speak to us. Please draw near to each and every one of us, we pray, as we open up your word. And would your word bring life to us today, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Amen. So growing up... um, my parents, they didn't have a huge amount of money. My dad was a builder. He always said he wished he was a mechanic because we never had very much luck with cars. And so um, the cars we had would never be that great. So we had an old Maxi. Anyone remember Maxi cars? Yes, there's a few a few of us oldies in the room that do. So um, uh, the gear stick went on the Maxi, and so that was patched up, but it was never quite the same again. And then we had a blue car. I forget the make of it. Um, but it was a brilliant car but then every now and again it would just literally just cut out for no apparent reason so that was as you can imagine a bit annoying and then we had an old red Cortina and i have wonderful memories of being in that car with the sunroof open and listening to tapes and we all remember tapes in cars <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, the the car was brilliant but there was an issue with it and the issue was that when it rained the sunroof would leak And so when my brother and I got into the back seat of the car, we would end up with our feet in water. And as time went on, the water got deeper and deeper. Some of you are looking at me like you're absolutely horrified. This is 100% true. And the water got deeper and deeper to the point where my dad would have to say to us when he was turning a corner to lift our feet up because the force of the water would slosh up one way and then slosh up the other way. Now, considering the fact we lived in Devon, there were many wiggly, windy roads. This was by, you know, this was a force to be reckoned with. Honestly, it was full on. It got to the point where um, I said to my dad, I'd invited a couple of my friends to go to a Christian camp called Spring Harvest and they said they were gonna come. But I said to my dad, there's no way they are getting in the back of that car. I said, you need to do something. And so my dad got underneath the car and he drilled holes in the bottom of the car to stop the water from ever flowing again drilling holes, quenches, thwarts, and dampens the Spirit. Verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. One verse, five incredibly powerful words. You see, just as a river flows, the Holy Spirit's desire is to move in and through our lives without any hindrance. But the question is, how can we ensure that we don't quench the Spirit's flow in our lives? How can we make sure that we aren't drilling holes that hinder the work of the Spirit? Firstly, we can grow in cultivating sensitivity to the Spirit's leading. So just as a boat flows with the river's current, we can align our hearts to... um, I guess, flow with what the Spirit is wanting to do in us and the Spirit's promptings. As we journey with Jesus, as we spend time with Jesus, as we read his word, as we sit in the stillness of his presence, however we draw close to Jesus, we are cultivating that sensitivity, that awareness of who He is and His presence with us. And the good news is that the Spirit's presence is with us forever, every single day. So whatever we face, whatever we're going through day after day, we can call on the Spirit and I'm sure many of us do. Lord, I need your wisdom right now in this moment. Some of us who maybe you've got young kids, I need your patience, help me. Lord, would you give me your guidance or would you give me self-control? We can do that at any point in the day. And the thing is, the more we talk to Jesus in our own words or in the spirit, which is speaking in tongues for some of us that do that, the more then we are pursuing and deepening an intimate friendship with Jesus, just like with a horse and rider competing in dressage. I don't know if you've seen that on the TV or maybe some of you are even involved in that, but it's incredible. You know, all it takes is just one whisper from the rider's calf, and that horse knows exactly what to do. It's a stunning thing to watch. But this can only come through practice and skill to foster this kind of sensitivity. Hours and hours, horse and rider together. And the more that they're together, the more that sensitivity then grows. Paul's encouragement to us is to continue to be a people that deepen and cultivate that kind of sensitivity with the Lord in our own lives. Let's continue to build a spirit that leaps to praise God. To give thanks and glory to him that before we even take a step we think on the Lord and before we even open our mouths we allow his words to shape our, our thinking and our words as we speak them out I'd love to be like that Lord would you would you do that for all of us today would you help us deepen our relationship with you I love what it says in Galatians 5 verse 25 Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Please, Lord, for all of us here. That's our prayer. Secondly, we can grow in letting go of control and surrendering to God. So quenching the Spirit happens when we try to control every aspect of our lives. So it's easier to trust God when we're in control of the outcome rather than when we're out of control and we are unsure of what's going to happen next and we have to rely on the Lord. But being in control, it provides us with a sense of security and sensitivity and... um, confidence and comfort, but the reality is, all of those things, they're man-made. They're man-made, and actually what that is, it's when we're in control, it's misplaced faith. The Holy Spirit calls us to trust in him, and not in our circumstances. Jesus is the object of our faith, not our preferred outcomes. And I think for many of us here, the Lord wants to take us by the hands and he wants to take us on a journey of what it looks like to lay down some, some areas in our lives where we feel the need to control and where Jesus isn't king and where Jesus doesn't reign. Because when we're in control, Jesus isn't. And that puts us at odds with the Holy Spirit. But instead, we're called to surrender, aren't we? To lay down control, to submit it to the Lord so that we follow his plans and his purposes, allowing the Spirit to lead and to guide us however he wants, whichever way he wants, to follow Jesus' agenda and not our own. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Point number three, we can grow in prophecy and discernment. Okay, so living lives that are led by the Spirit involves discernment and also a willingness to embrace the genuine work of the Spirit of God. And Paul is encouraging us to leave both, lean into both the prophetic, but also at the same time being really wise with it and testing it. Verse 20 to 22 says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good reject every kind of evil. It sounds through Paul's choice of words that maybe the church in Thessalonica, they weren't treating prophecy with um, the importance that they should because of Paul's insistence. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. So for those of us who are unsure about what I'm talking about when I say prophecy, prophecy is hearing things from God that can only be known by divine revelation. Wayne Grudem he says a spontaneous revelation from God reported in human words. And it's a gift that is only given through the work of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says that we are called to eagerly desire and seek after prophecy. And the good news is that it's available to everyone. Everyone that knows and loves Jesus, it's available to all of us. And obviously, we've just heard a wonderful thing that happened today, you know, with a word of knowledge and then just healing off the back of it. How wonderful is that? The point of all prophecy it is to bring glory to Jesus. It's to glorify Jesus and also to edify his church. And we've just seen an example of that. One of the best ways for us to grow in hearing God's voice is when we step out and we pray for others. It's a simple way that we can grow in hearing God's voice. Now, last week, I think you would have seen a video from Dave and Bex. They went down. They took about seventy of our young people on a coach, and they went down to DTI, which is Dreaming the Impossible. And DTI is um, our movement, which is Vineyard. It's our youth festival that runs in Stafford, and there was about four thousand young people at that youth festival. And um, amazingly, they asked for one session, one of the main sessions for some of our youth and Dave and Bex to be on the sofa and to talk about what God has been doing in their lives and in the youth of Catalyst. And um, I would love to, for you just to hear a little snippet of two people that are going to share. So over to the video.
2: So you've Emily, you've experienced like quite a lot of freedom in your own life. And how has that sort of changed your expectation as you start start sort of reaching out and praying for others? Well, like I said, like that experience I had and like, um, it just showed me how much bigger he is than anything. Like he's bigger than anything and he can do absolutely anything. And like, I think it's that thing of surrender again and like choosing him, like choosing to be obedient, like even when it's... It means being vulnerable, it means like stepping out and praying for someone and giving a word when you're like, Oh, I'm not sure if that's God. Um, like his you know, his working in us, like his working through prayer, it doesn't rely on us being perfect, it doesn't rely on us, you know, having always the right thing to say and you know, knowing exactly how to do it and doing it perfectly, but we can rely on it to be perfect and him because he knows exactly what he's doing and the fact that he involves us in that is so brilliant, like um, just for a little example, like, um, we were at a conference similar to this that was just in our church um, a few months ago, and I was just watching Beck's worship, the lovely Beck's, and um, as I kind of saw her encounter the Holy Spirit, I was like, you know, the, just the word boldness just popped into the back of my head, like kind of came out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, I just let it sit for a second, I was like, okay, I mean just you know see what god does just go over and pray and and see how she responds to that so um yeah we had a little pray over that and it seemed like she really kind of you know encountered god and met with the holy spirit there and there was freedom brought and so honestly like all god needs from us is like his like obedience like that's all he asks which is simple but it's not always easy um but the more you see god do the more you're gonna want to do it like it doesn't matter how scared you are in the moment, like, it's always worth it what God brings, like, it's always worth it. And it's amazing what he's done with, like, my mere, like, me-ness, you know, like how he works through, like, what I do, even when it's literally sometimes so random and, like, not perfect. But it's it's good because it's really all about him, it's really all about what he can do. So it, just resting and that has, has been freeing as well, so it's good. Um, um. And as Susie said, I've come up to Scotland to visit you guys a few times. And often in worship, I'll, I just see you, I hope, like, even maybe even in the middle of worship and you're like, you've gone somewhere to pray for someone or lay hands on someone. And you, you love doing that, you love praying. And how does God speak to you in that way? Yeah. What does it look like for you?
0: Yeah. Oftentimes, like, to be honest with you, I really do not know what's going <laughs> on. Like, that's why I'm looking around the room because I'm like, Jesus, like, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, I just like to like in, in ministry time and in worship time, just look around the room and just be like, Jesus, what are you doing? And what do you want me to do? Um, just having that like open heart. And, um, I think really to do with what Emily said too, like obedience, I think obedience is, is so important. Um, and it's something that's like really helped me step out. I remember earlier this year, we had a conference and I started praying for this woman and i really felt the lord's uh, like highlight grief of jobs which was something i felt a bit silly saying it to be quite honest with you because i was like like great like grief over jobs like is that really is that really a thing like i wasn't really very sure um but i just said it anyway out of obedience to god and i was very nervous but god just brought a lot of freedom within that and then i just felt like after that um she'd messaged my mom this this message to say like oh that was really relevant for me and jesus did a lot of things and that was like really helpful for me to understand but i really felt from that moment that that's when i made the decision of i was gonna um share words with people even if i felt like oh that's so embarrassing or oh my goodness this could be wrong just like taking that step of obedience towards god because he lives in risk like God loves risk so much; um, it's it's where He sees like who who really wants to follow Him and who really wants to help Him. Um, so yeah.
1: There we go. So that's from a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old speaking, and I uh, to 4,000 young young people. It's incredible, and I would really encourage you if you haven't. Um, seen it, go onto YouTube and watch the whole interview because it is so inspiring what the Lord is doing in our young people. So not only should we eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, but we can grow in it. And what the girls were saying on the video is that we can step out. We can step out and we can, in obedience, we can be bold in obedience to what Jesus is saying because he loves risk. And so... Let's be a people that look around and say to the Lord, What do you want to do? Have you got a word that you want to give me for someone else today as we grow and encouraging and edifying the church and building one another up? So, when we give a prophetic word, whether that's a form of scripture, that comes to mind, or a picture that we see in our mind's eye, or an image, or it might be in the form of a word, like Emily said, you know, she just saw bold just appear in her thinking, in her mind's eye. Um, It can also be like you're just thinking about something, and then the next minute, this thought or this picture or image just lands in your head, and then it goes again, really quick. It's almost like a butterfly landing and then departing. And you're thinking, well, I was thinking this, and then I saw this, or I felt this, or I I heard this, and now it's it's gone. That could be the Lord. Often he's so gentle, and sometimes we can miss it because it's so fleeting. So in whatever form it takes that we're receiving a prophetic word from the Lord, we need to ensure that we never insist that it's from the Lord, right? So we never say things like, God has said, or thus says the Lord, or anything like that, because that is uh, putting too much onto the person that we're bringing the word to. And ultimately, we're not giving them the option of whether they want to receive that word or not. And so also, we only hear in part, right? We only hear in part. So a better way to say it would be, I just had a sense, it could be me, but it might be the Lord, so I'm gonna offer this to you, and then you can discern it for yourself. Do you see? That way, if we get it wrong, That's totally fine. And to be honest with you, the way that I bring prophetic words is I always assume that they're likely to be wrong. And so when they're right, I'm like, oh, brilliant. So then I'm not worried about bringing the words. Because if we're worrying all the time, is it right? Is it right? We're never going to do it, are we? And actually, we need to embrace much more in our church community, the prophetic, We love the prophetic and we want we want more of it and we don't just want it from the people up the front. We hear God together in community and it's perfect for that. So whenever we give a prophetic word, we need to follow the biblical model of prophecy from one Corinthians chapter fourteen. Prophecy is there to strengthen, to encourage, and to bring comfort. And if we have a prophetic word that isn't in line with those three things, then we don't give it. (laughs) We don't say it, okay? And what Paul is saying here is as we grow in the prophetic, also we've got to grow in discernment as well. And discernment is the ability to judge well, and it's also a spiritual gift that is available to us all. Now, we don't have to look very far to see all kinds of prophecies on the internet, right? Prophecies about COVID, prophecies about the American elections, prophecies about mass revivals, prophecies about end times. Now, we aren't just there to just listen to these prophetic words, you know, blindly and just, just agree with all of them. Of course we're not. What this scripture is saying here is, we have to weigh up prophecy. We have to weigh it. So whether that's a personal prophecy that we receive or it's a prophetic word for a group of people or for the church or even for a nation, we must weigh that, we must test that. We discern that together. And sometimes that will cause us to wrestle in our faith to wrestle in prayer, to wrestle in the scriptures, and also in community as we try and discern, is this from you, Lord, or is it not? Can I just say it's really healthy to weigh and discern all prophetic words, no matter who is prophesying. So sometimes there will be people that come or people um, who maybe even say that they are a prophet, we still weigh and discern all the words that that are given to us, okay, no matter who the person is, because we only hear in part. It's also an expression of faith to weigh words. And Paul is encouraging the church to weigh and to test them both individually as well as corporately in the context of community. That's where we hear God. So no one should be making any drastic moves off the back of one prophetic word they've received. Instead, what we do is we hear together. So that might look like in your connect group, saying, I've had this word or I've had a few words. They all seem to kind of be on the same theme, I'm not sure what this is about, or I have a sense of what this is about. Can we talk about it? It could be with your connect group leader, in your connect group, it could be um, with a ministry lead, it could be with your site pastors, it could be with wise counsel, wise friends that you have, and we go on this journey together of hearing God together. Lastly, we can yield to God's work in our lives. That's the final point. Verse 23 and 24. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and He will do it. What a prayer. What a prayer. It's a prayer for something that has happened, is happening, and hasn't yet fully happened. And the way that we know that, because we all looked in the mirror this morning, right? And we know we're not completely holy. We know that we're not totally pure. Most of us, if we're honest, we feel far from that most of the time. Yet the promise of this benediction is that we will be sanctified through and through. Other translations say sanctify you completely, make you completely holy, make you pure belonging only to him. So in the closing of this letter, we're being reminded that we have the guarantee of sanctification. Just as any contract is only worth the integrity of the name on the paper, our hope of sanctification is only as good as the person who stands behind it. Jesus Christ stands behind it. God himself, the God of peace, stands behind it. You know, exercise may help our bodies. And Seeing a counselor may help our mental health, and friends may lift our spirits, but only Jesus can take our life and set it apart and make us holy. Only Jesus. We are sanctified, and we are being sanctified. And God has ordained that all his children, all of them, without exception, will be made complete in the end. Isn't that wonderful? we're not that way now we're not because the reality is most of us we feel fragmented and torn in a thousand different directions we're incomplete and we're under construction but the lord intends that when we finally get to heaven and the hammers and the saws are finally put away and we stand before him with every part of our lives will be made perfect every part Every aspect of our lives will be made perfect. We're not finished yet, but we will be. We're not totally clean today, but we will be. Chuck and I, we love watching um, renovation shows. Anyone else like watching a good TV show like that? Uh, Yeah, old house, new home, grand designs, building the dream, remarkable renovations. I could go on and on. Uh, Yeah, there's a few of us that like them. So even though there's a lot of them, the reality is that they all kind of take a similar format, which is you find a distressed property and then you think, well, I can improve it, I can do a whole bunch of work to it, and most of the time make a profit, you know, or most of the time. And uh, so what happens is, you know, they start ripping out the electrics and knocking down walls and extending and all of all of this. Everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, they're, what do you see? Suspense music. They're on the phone and it's like, we've got a problem. And then it always cuts to the advert. So you have to wait to see what the problem is. And then it's always something pretty significant, you know, like, oh gosh we've got um, dry rot everywhere, or the foundations are useless and we're gonna have to dig deeper, or we're gonna have to fork out for a whole bunch of steel. And of course, there's never any money in the budget to do any of it. But most of the time, eventually, they get to the point where it's like, okay, the the renovation is no no longer a disaster and they're managing to create a property, a beautiful property. Most of the time. So here's what I've learned about watching these renovation shows. They take longer than you think. Renovating takes longer than you think. It costs more than you think. And it's not as easy as it looks. If you think renovating houses are hard, try renovating a human life. That's a job that only Jesus can do. Today we're only holy in spots. When God is finished with us, we will be holy through and through. And Paul wants us to know that the Lord intends to renovate the whole person, all of us, in all our parts. Nothing will be left out. Not one bit will be overlooked. Every part will be made perfect in the end. I love these words, the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it, he will do it. Our entire hope, both in this life and also in the life to come, rests on the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness bears the entire weight of our puny efforts, thank goodness. The one who calls us is faithful. In the year 1464, there was a sculptor, and he was given a huge piece of marble to work with. And he was commissioned to produce a statue of an Old Testament prophet to go in a cathedral in Florence. He, he labored for about two years and then he gave up. And then in 15, sorry, in 1476, another sculptor picked up that same piece of marble and tried it again. And it wasn't long until he abandoned the task as well. And then 1501, a 26-year-old sculptor named Michelangelo, he was offered a considerable sum of money to produce something from this enormous piece of marble. And as he began, he saw the major flaw that was in the marble, which was this crack at the bottom of the marble that the other sculptors just did not know what to do with. And he thought, I know, I could produce a tree stump out of that crack. And then a right leg would look really great in that tree stump. And he worked on that sculpture for four years until he produced world's most famous David and today this 17-foot statue is famous all across the world and thousands and thousands of people come um, every year to visit that statue and it's been said that no statue is more perfect than David so how did Michelangelo do it here is the answer in his own words in every block of marble I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I've only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine see it. In other words, he cut away everything that didn't look like David. All of us, we're works in progress. We're not finished. We're not glorified. We're not perfected. We're not completed. We are all under construction. And if you've ever visited a building site, you'll know how noisy and how messy it is. And with all the hammering and all the sawing and all the kind of construction work that goes on, it's really hard to imagine what the end result will look like. But God never stops working on us. Probably because there's so much work that he needs to do. He's chipping away, everything in us that doesn't look like Jesus. What the Lord starts, he will finish. He will finish. These four words, he will do it. They are simple, they're direct, there's no qualification to them, no hesitation, no doubt of any kind. Just four words, he will do it. Not he may do it, or he might do it, or he could do it or he'll do it if we play our part, just a simple statement that God will do it. Little by little, he is chipping away everything in our lives that doesn't look like Jesus. And one day, we will stand before Jesus Christ and we will be whole and complete. No more hammering, no more soaring will be needed. We will be sanctified through and through and we will stand before Jesus blameless in his sight and there will never be any need for any more under construction signs ever again. Why don't we stand? Let's pray. Would you increase what you're doing now, Holy Spirit? And Lord, I pray that um, we would know the fullness of your faithfulness today. The weight that you will do it. You will do it. You will do it. Come flood our hearts and our minds, Jesus. Show us how big your faithfulness is in our own situations and our own lives.